Amen. Why don't you turn to the book of Joshua tonight? I'll get this out of the way. Goodbye. I'll make a recommendation this all be changed here. I think that'll be the last thing that's done in here, right? Because everything else is done. Praise the Lord. Just about. Yes, we get, you got a building, but there's been a lot of work gone in here. A lot of work done. Yes, I'm thankful for that uh, good meal today. First time I ever had a dessert appetizer. In fact, a couple of them. And then the dessert came. Dessert appetizer. And there was appetizers to begin the meal. And I don't know how many courses we had, but I'm full tonight. And uh, I'm going to read this. Uh, actually, I'm going to read two chapters very quickly. So uh, find Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4, because I want you to see this uh, account here. You get the whole story for those who may not be familiar with it. It's good to be with the Claytons and good to hear the preaching of Brother Clayton again. And uh, they've been a great blessing to us, helped us when we first started out on the road, helped us get the first bus we had, which was a dud. <laughs> but, you know, you learn. You learn how to pick, pick out buses. And... Uh, and convert them. That's always interesting. If you're going to have a bus, it should be converted. Amen. Chapter 3 of Joshua. Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days. Notice that. After three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of God... Now the covenant of the Lord, the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall move from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, uh, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you come to the brink of the Ark of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that you will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites and Hittites and Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the twelve, uh, tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the seed of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord... The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, 
And as they were bear, that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. That's important. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon the heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea filled and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm upon on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until the people were passed clean over Jordan. It came to pass when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe of man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you. And leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. And then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe of man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, take the, uh, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them into the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. For the priests which bear the Ark stood in the midst of Jordan until every time thing was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hasted and passed over. And it came at the pass when all the people were clean passed over that the Ark of the Lord passed over in the priests in the presence of the people, and the children of Reuben and children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war passed over before the Lord into battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of Jordan. And Joshua Therefore command the priests, saying, Come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord will come up out of the midst of Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up into dry land, that the waters of Jordan returned unto the place and flowed over the banks, his banks as they did there before. And people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. <clears throat> what that take, about five minutes? Okay, we'll try to have you out of here by nine o'clock. No guarantee, but we're going to try. All right?
I have it all right here. Just walk, walk by a computer, and there it came. Just started printing, and there it was. If you believe that, we have some other things we'd like to say. But anyhow, let's bow our head and have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, and thank you, Lord, for this really a celebration of what you've done here in Astoria, Queens, New York, establishing this church. And we know it's a result of prayers of your people and people that are willing to submit to your will. And it's through them that you've worked, not here in just only in this church, but across the United States and maybe even other parts of the world. I don't know. But I know people have been praying, and I know you hear and answer prayer, and we're so thankful that you do, God. We're thankful that you hear us. And when we pray according to your will, we have the answers that we desire because it will glorify you. And we believe that that's what's happened here, and we rejoice in that. We know there's been labor. We know there's been tears shed. We know there's been struggles. There's been opposition. We're thankful that we're here tonight rejoicing in what you've done. And it's not just the building, Lord. It's these people here tonight, your people, that make up this church. And we're thankful for those who are visiting here tonight. We ask you to bless them. We pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts tonight and challenge us, Lord, that we would not just rest in what has happened, but we will... Uh, just reach out and try to do more for you. Let you work through us more, Lord, and you need more. Uh, uh, turn things over to you and let you work through us, Lord. That's what we need to do. But we are weak people. We are weak, and you must do the work. We yield to you and do what you tell us to do, but you're the one that does the work through us, so we thank you for that. We ask you to bless now tonight in Christ's name. Amen. And we're thankful, Lord, for the message before. By the way, Lord, we are thankful for the message before. Amen. And in the precious seed of the Word of God that you've given us. Amen. Talk to him once in a while, all right? I'm preaching for a little while tonight on what mean ye by these stones. What mean ye by these stones? And we might ask the question, what mean ye by... All this brick and mortar and paneling here and all that's involved in this building. And it, that's not my message as far as this building is concerned. But it is a testimony in this community. That's one thing that we mean by it. It means that God is still on the throne. That's another thing that it means. What mean you by these stones or these bricks and so on? It means that people can come in here and hear the word of God and be saved. And their lives transformed and changed. It means that God still lives and is still alive and still able to work. My life recently, the last three years, has been about stones. But it's been good for me. You know, I may not have been on earth today. I might not be on earth today if it had not been for the fact that we decided to build a log home over in Preston County, West Virginia, against a mountainside. Well, it's a hillside if you compare it with the western mountains. But uh, being against a hillside like that, uh, the basement walls were exposed, which was blocked. So we had to cover them with something. I got the bright idea of cutting stones from 
the excavation and around the property and wherever I could gather them. In fact, I went and got one on Route 50, or the big S it's called, and it was a, like a maroon collar. And I said, well, that's a beautiful stone. So I put it in one of the center of the walls. And we just finished uh, that job uh, just the other day. I really don't like to walk to exercise. I have a, a friend, evangelist, who said that he's walked four miles every day for 21 years, and the Lord bless him. But I, I like to be doing something when I'm walking. I love to knock on doors. I really do. I know you can't do that very much around here, but we do it in our uh, county. But I got about half of it done last year, and I was praying for somebody to help me. I want to get this off of my back. Why did you build this house? Because I felt like God told me to. I wanted to build a place where the family could come. You know we have a large family, don't you? I wanted to have a place where they could come and enjoy it and relax. But I find out that uh, one or two of the son-in-laws really don't like to come there. They don't like the West Virginia roads and all that. So uh, maybe, uh, no, I didn't make a mistake. Just let them come and have fun if they can. If not, all right. But I started praying for somebody to help me. And lo and behold, I thought it would be men. But it ended up to be two ladies that came. Both of them sort of the end of the line in their life, and they need a place to come. In fact, one of them was just thrust out and had to find a place. As a matter of fact, both of them were thrust out. And they need to find a place. And so, you know, like we've taken people in. Uh, one time we had 17 on our bus, which is like, one of them was 35 foot long, about 8 feet wide on the outside. And uh, we've always been open to people coming in and traveling with us and living with us. We've had several uh, preachers come by, missionaries and so on. So it's been a blessing that way, and the family enjoys coming there. But I needed somebody to help me get this job done. I, I figured up there's probably a 1,500 to 1,600 Stones that I had cut out of raw stones with a partner saw, 14-inch diamond tip. And so it involved uh, lots of water, gasoline, oil, servo blades, diamond tip blades, and a lot of humping over, I'll tell you that. And God sent these ladies along not only for us to help them, but they were a blessing to me. One of them would mix the, the mortar and the concrete that we'd put behind the stones. The other one was very good in doing the striking, you know, and raking out the joints and so on. So we got the job done. And you know what? When we got through, it was a big check mark. And I told them, I said, we'll go out and have a steak when it's over with. And we did that. Well, here we have the story of a great miracle that God did. It's one of the greatest miracles and involved stones. And after about 500 years, they come to the crossing of Jordan. The children of Israel, they had been there before, but they had to wander back through the wilderness for a while. And you know what? It was a time when Jordan overflows its banks. Normally, it's about 40 feet wide. 
But they say before they put in the dams, a couple dams up the river, that it could go up up to a mile wide. And you know what? I point this out as we read in this chapter. They had to wait three days by that river and watch all that water flowing by and realizing for three days that they had to cross this river for almost a mile long. Wouldn't that be scary if you knew you were going to go across that river? And how was it going to be done? I think it was, I think it was a greater miracle than what happened at the Red Sea because you got that force of that water coming down. That's what I believe. I'm entitled to believe what I want about that, right? But you know what this involved? It involved faith. It involved faith in believing in God. I, I remember, I don't know if Pastor told you about this, but I think it was somewhere back in here we met with the lawyer who was also a rabbi, their lawyer, I mean, for the, the people that own the synagogue, the, the congregation. And I, I think there was only two, two old men from the congregation that met with us. And here we are, a, a church of 60 people, probably some along, along that line, and we're going to go uh, sign our name to papers that says we are indebted now. I know we had a down payment, but it was, what, three-quarters of a million dollars? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, there was trepidation. There was a, probably a little shaking, but we started and we can't go back. But I remember the rabbi said, now... Uh, we wanted to have some nice people in here to take over this building. And he said, uh, I was invited, I think it was a birthday party or a graduation party or something, uh, a certain church. Uh, he knew this uh, member in the church. It might have been the pastor, I don't know. But he said that the party ended up with them throwing spears in the wall. Do you remember that? Pardon? That was next door. Well, I remember where it was, but someplace. And, uh, oh, you mean that's where it took place? Yeah, right next door to the synagogue where they used Oh, okay. It said it ended up throwing spears in the wall. He said, we didn't want people in there like that. He said, we, we heard that you were Bible believers. Yes. Amen. That makes a difference, doesn't it? Yes. Bible believers. So it, it was scary. <laughs> it was scary to take it on. But I want you to notice that the ark would go first into the midst. And uh, the waters weren't going to be stopped until the priests put their foot in the edge of the river. Now, that's a real challenge, too, isn't it? But when, as soon as they put their feet in the edge of the water there, the water stopped. That was it. It was held back, and it was very wide. You remember... Uh, he said you were supposed to stay back from the ark. The reason for that was that was, what, a million, over a million people went across. And so they could see uh, the leaders going and so on. They were spread out. And it was quite a stretch of that river that was held back. And so uh, a, tre a tremendous miracle, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Now, I want you to notice... First of all, I have three points, and I'll be quick. 
we are to remember some things in our life. And when they were, the children would ask what these stones meant that they took out of the river. And by the way, we read in there that Joshua set some up in the middle of the river where the priest's feet stood, where the ark had stood. And then they took some to Gilgal. So he wasn't told to do that, I don't think. But at least that looked like to me from what I read. In verse 9 of chapter 3, it says, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there until this day. So what that was all about, I'm not sure, but it was all for remembrance. I'm sure the ones they took out to Gilgal would also be. And it said, here's what they were supposed to answer their children when they asked about that that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, verse 7, chapter 4, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. So they were to remember some things, and we need to remember some things. People uh, set up monuments to remind themselves of things, uh, usually about something that's terrible that's happened, like the Twin Towers, the Vietnam Wall there in Washington, uh, wrecks along the highway. How many of you ever seen crosses set up right along the road? Maybe a wreath hung over the cross. Or maybe even be a, a small toy there, a stuffed toy, or something that reminds people of the person that died there. Uh, highway, uh, I mean battles, have taken place like a little big horn. I remember going to there and uh, looking at that memorial where Custer lost his life and all the troops and, and that battle with the Indians. Uh, we need things to remind us and we need to think back sometimes about what things have happened in our life, what good things have happened, but we'll get to that in a moment. We forget so easily. I, I think about, I read about this uh, busy couple who both the husband and wife were having trouble remembering things. Have, have you seen any of that lately? They were having trouble rem- remembering things. I was trying to think of a name. I haven't brought it up yet. Uh, asked my wife about it. She didn't even have any idea either. So uh, we'll have to talk to Sharon. She's our super information highway lady. But... Uh, it used to be like a computer. So, oh, yes, the church, you know, and it had uh, such, so many trees standing over here, and uh, and uh, over here was the big parking lot on the right, and so she would tell us all about it. But this couple was having trouble remembering things, so they went to a doctor. And uh, he explained to them that, you know, as you get older, uh, so many things are involved in your life to get uh, have to deal with so many things, and... Uh, it caused you to forget things. It said, uh, perhaps it'd be good for you if you write write a note about make you know just write it down what you're going to do or what what you want to remember. So they came home that night. They were sitting there on the couch watching television, and the husband got up and said, "I'm going into the kitchen." And the wife said, "Well, would you bring me a dish of ice cream when you come back?" And uh, he said, uh, "She said, and you probably better write uh, write it down." And he said, no, I can remember that. And so, uh, by the way, I want some strawberries on that, too. Uh, Perhaps you better write that down. No, no, I can remember that. Well, uh, let me tell you, I want some whipped cream on there, too. 
you better write that down. No, he's getting irritated, irritated, but he didn't want to show it. He said, I can handle it. So he left, and 20 minutes he came back with a plate of bacon and eggs. And she said, see there? I knew it. You forgot the toast. <laughs> we, uh, we need things to remind us, don't we? We need to set up some memory stones in our life. The day when we were saved, do you remember the day you were saved? You remember that? I remember the day, and I was talking to Peter last night about it, the day when I was convicted that I was lost, and then several weeks later, the day when I got saved, I didn't write the date down. I know it was in the fall of the year. I know where it was, the exact spot. I wasn't kneeling. I was sitting in a chair, but I'd asked the Lord to save me many, many times, and I'd wait for God to give me some kind of feeling, and it never came. Until that day that the pastor showed me in John 3.16. You know what? He didn't take me down the Romans road. He could tell that I'd been down it a number of times. I mean, sometimes the Romans road formula works. But God, God saves people. It always ends up in believing on his son, depending upon him and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. And his resurrection. It always ends up that way. But he gets to it sometimes in different ways. It's still the word of God. It's still the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to take away from that. The day we were baptized. I was baptized uh, in uh, Virginia when I was in the military. I got saved before I went in. And I'd been baptized before. Not really baptized. I'd been dunked in Yellow Creek, West Virginia. But I, had, I really wasn't saved. I really hadn't believed upon Jesus Christ. I really wasn't trusting him, depending upon him. So I remember that day. I remember the day that I was allowed to lead my second cousin to the Lord. I remember uh, how he had come to the Akron Baptist Temple and stood during the invitation in our youth department and clung on to the back of the pews and sweat was rolling off of him. And my younger brother, Alan, and I went later on to his house, and he got down on his knees, and he asked Jesus to save him. And then he wanted me to come and see his baptism. He got baptized in a brethren church three times face forward. And then I heard that he was going to the Church of Christ where his wife went, and I thought, oh, he didn't get saved. You know, don't give up on people. Don't give up on people. And he... Uh, then then uh, he was... Uh, it was, at the, it was at the funeral, the graveside of his mother. He came down to uh, West Virginia for that. And uh, uh, right after the service by the graveside, he came up to me and he said, if the grace of God was ever in you, it was in you that day. And I said, what are you talking about, Charles? And he said, the day you came to my home and led me to Christ. And what had happened, somebody had started bringing in where he worked, the sword of the Lord, and he started reading those. And he got straightened out on his doctrine. And he ended up teaching a Bible class in a Baptist church. And when I was on the road, he would send me some money every once in a while, and he's now in heaven. That was a great time. I, that's a stone I set up in my mind to see, to remind me that God does work. He does save people. What about the day we met our spouse? Remember where that was? If you're married tonight? How many is still with me? Amen. I remember it was out here on Long Island when I met Lee. I had been invited to a Bible study by her boyfriend. 
And I found out, and, and I sat in front of her, and uh, when you had those shirts back years ago when there was a button in the back, you remember them? In the collar? And she said, your button's missing. She was sitting behind me. She said, your button's missing. And I said, I don't have anybody to sew one on. And she thought to herself, well, poor guy, you know. And I found out that that so-called boyfriend was going with another girl. So I took her out and found out how things stood. And she said, if you can get rid of Lee, then I'll be able to go with Dick. That was his name, wasn't it? So we got rid of Barbara, and here we are tonight, celebrating 50 years this November. Over in Toledo, Ohio, if you want to come. Amen. Good memory. How about the day you crossed over Jordan? Do you know what I'm talking about? Jordan is not a picture of heaven. There's not going to be any battles in heaven. It's all going to be over. Jordan is a type of living in the spiritual realm. In other words, living in the Holy Spirit. When you've surrendered to him and he's guiding you and leading you and directing you and manifesting himself in your life. And sometimes it may not be evident, but he's there. He's always there. But there needs to come a time when you surrender to his work in your life and depend on him to lead you. Well, we move on. We, we need not only to remember, but we need to relate. We need to tell what God has done for us. And that's what this is uh, all about. He said, when your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, what mean these stones? They were to explain what they meant and how they crossed over Jordan, how God worked a mighty miracle for them that day. Tell about what God has done for you. You know, sometimes when I go knock on a door and a person not interested... I'll just stand there and start talking about how God saved me. Not try to lead him to the Lord. Just say, I was a forest ranger uh, going to Michigan State. I wanted to get away from people, live in the woods. I was afraid to get before people. I was so embarrassed and didn't like public speaking. Think about Brother Clayton. He's always liked public speaking. Amen. Isn't that right? Just about. <laughs> He's always liked it. And uh, I was an introvert. You know, we just heard a message well, part of a message about that being being shy and being an introvert is really a sin. God can give you a victory over it. He can. It's selfish. You've got a message to give. Why hold it in? I remember when I worked with a man out here on Long Island named Chuck Warper, and he was a painter, and he worked in these uh, different, uh, like, prisons and old folks' homes and uh, he, he had a, a ministry in Sing Sing. I've been on death row in Sing Sing and spoke uh, to, uh, and played my guitar and tried to sing. And, and uh, I hope it was better than what I did the last two nights. But anyhow, he would ask you whenever you give your testimony, he wanted, to, he wanted you to tell how you got saved. How about prayers that have been answered? I'll tell you this quickly. I was in Morgantown, West Virginia, trying to buy a Subaru car. $16,000. I really didn't have much of a down payment at all. And it talked me into signing this paper, or almost into it. My wife and I was stand, sitting there. The salesman handed me the pen, the paper you signed right here. It's like God said, don't do it. 
We've been praying for a vehicle. And I said, sir, I can't do this. They went home. We turned it over to the Lord. Uh, just a few weeks later, I got a call from my brother, my younger brother. And uh, he said, uh, what's your social security number? I said, what are you going to do, steal my identity? He said, no, I have some money for you. He had sold a lease on this Marcellus Shale gas and uh, on the property that was the old home place, and he actually owns it, but he, out of the grace of his heart and great love for me, <laughs> and also to keep from having paying so many taxes, he gave it out to the five offspring of my mother and father. And, uh, of course, my older brother's dead, but the, the son and the daughter of he... Uh, got a half, got a split, and it was twenty thousand dollars. I'll tell you that twenty thousand dollars, and I was able to pay uh, for that truck. We drove up here and praised God for it. it was an answer to prayer. Amen. Amen. How about a deliverance from sin or a bad habit? Moving on to try to keep my promise as far as time is concerned. Thirdly, we need not only to remember and to relate what we remember. But we need to, not bragging about it, but giving God the glory, amen. And when we talk about this miracle here on 35th Street, we need to give God the glory. I'll just say this, when a time came in the Baptist Bible Fellowship, when it, it was always what the Baptist Bible Fellowship did. All what they did to me. That's what I heard in the fellowship meetings. And how great the fellowship was. And there were times there's very little glory given to God, verbally. And I'll tell you what, God hates pride. And uh, he, he just, he gets upset. We need to not only remember, but we need to relate things and to reach out. And reach out to new heights. Notice in Joshua 3, 9 through 10, it says, He says, And Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you all those enemies there. And I'm not going to go over those again. But what he's saying, you're going to see this miracle. And that's going to give you the courage to go into battle and overcome them. To go to greater heights. Amen. And so, in the last verse of chapter 4, it says that all the people of the earth might, might know that the hand of the Lord, that is, it is mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. And so the point I want to make here is we need to reach out to new heights. And like Brother Horton mentioned last night, there's a job for everyone. And maybe you've got a job, maybe you can expand and do something else and rise up a little higher. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do something greater. Yes, you've reached this plateau here. This building is pretty well done, I think. And aside from the, the, the pulpit here, uh, we, we need to get this barricade out of here uh, <laughs> and uh, get some place to put notes and water and so on. And uh, It's dangerous to set a glass of water on this ledge right here. It might fall off on the carpet, and uh, especially when somebody's kneeling down there. But anyhow, moving on and closing, I want to encourage you to go to greater heights. Why not? Uh, Kierkegaard... Uh, told this story as a parable. He called it the parable of ducks. He said there was a town where only ducks lived. And he said every Sunday morning, ducks waddle down the main street 
down to their church. They waddle in the church and they squat on the pews. The duck choir gets up and sings. And then the duck pastor gets up and he speaks. And he tells them, encourages them. He said, ducks, God has given you wings. With these wings, you can fly. Why, you can, with these wings, you can rise up and soar like eagles. There's nothing can hold you. Walls can't hold you. Fence can't hold you. You, you have wings. You can fly with these wings. And, uh, just like birds fly. And they all cry, Amen! Amen! And then they all waddle home. <laughs> and there's some that probably waddle in here and waddle home. But there's a number of people here that are flying. Some of you may be like the Wright brothers. You, you may fly a few, a few hundred feet uh, on your first flight. But there's things that you can do that are even greater. And God can do greater things here. You can fill this whole thing up both sides. And then tear that apartment up there and buy them a house and um, have a balcony up there. Amen. Go to greater heights. God can do it. It takes faith. The children of Israel, I mean, the priests had to make that step. That's an act of faith. This building came here. I mean, it was, you received it by a step of faith. Amen. And you get saved by faith. And that's the first step. If you're not saved tonight, you come tonight. And uh, if you need help down here, somebody pray with you. you got a problem. Or if you want to be saved, there'll be somebody here to help you. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing on this word tonight. We give you glory for it and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.